Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. With me being a newlywed and Andrew continuing to discover the joys of fatherhood, marriage and family life are at the top of our minds. Today we talk about the idea of gender roles. How do we balance the traditional roles that a father and a mother have a natural inclination towards while we transition out of the era of excessively patriarchal homes? We try to discern that with today's discussion. Hope you enjoy. And we're back. I feel like um, I feel like every time now I'm starting our episodes with something like, oh, we're back. It's been a while kind of thing. So, um, you know, just uh, acknowledging that it's been several weeks since uh, since we last recorded our, our, our last podcast. Do you, I, how, did I, you, how long has it been? Uh, I think it's been seven weeks, but I'm not sure. No, I have no idea. <laughs> so... Um, uh, I, I had a couple of weddings. I had a wedding for which I was a best man, though I didn't, I, I wasn't too, too busy with that. And then I guess I also had my own wedding uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I guess I'm not busy with that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess um, I think, I think um, we'll probably spend this podcast kind of chatting a little bit about, about um, my wedding and things that I've shared or sorry, things that I've reflected on so far and share a little bit about that. Um, so maybe I won't get into that now, but uh, how have you been the last month and a half? Yeah, good. Um, obviously, life's been different for me uh, with Felicity, uh, who is crying right now. So if you can hear that in the background, I don't I have no idea. But um, uh, life's been really, really providential and really fruitful. Um, you know, I spent a, a bunch of time in Vancouver as well, which is part of why we had uh, we had our gap. Um, you know, I was just over there spending time with family, um, uh, and uh, my brother got married as well. So. I've also just gone mm-hmm. through a whole stint of weddings. Um, I went to four weddings in five weeks, um, and, and it was really pretty crazy. But um, happy that kind of through the weeds and through through that little thicket, it was like there's lots of joy. I think in celebrating marriages and, and, and being there with with people. But at the same time, um, it'd be nice if there were breaks in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have I have one friend uh, who has I think eleven weddings to go to this year. Which is a big number. It's kind of it's it's I don't know. I think we all have those friends, and even ourselves will go through those various one to three year time spans where we just have like a ton of weddings to go to. I was actually um, thinking about it. Like I think at the end of this year, um, most of my friends will already be married, and then that's uh, yeah. just kind of like we're just waiting for a cherry sister now. So <laughs> <laughs> round us up. <laughs> Way to call her out. <laughs> No pressure there or anything. No pressure. Um, but you're right. Marriage is a joyful occasion. Um, you know, I think definitely even within, certainly within the the context of the church and obviously the sacrament that, that it means to us. But even outside of that, I think just celebrating people that you love, seeing that, you know, that they've gone on a journey together to, you know, to build the relationship. I think one of the biggest things that I've reflected on over the last month, whether it was for, you know, our friends that we went to or their wedding that we went to and, you know, my own as well, is just um, how blessed the couples are to, you know, I think to see the fruit of their work and to see them go on their journey and um, to understand the stories and yeah, like frankly, the difficulties that love 
um, can can throw at you, um, and kind of seeing how far you know people have come along. I think that's a big part of why you know you 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 see marriage, you see the union of two people, and why that brings so much joy to people. Yeah, I think you know particularly we're really blessed to have the Christian view of marriage. You know, I, I spent a lot of time reflecting on this over the course of you know, my marriage and, and preparing for marriage as well. And, and I think it's it's a piece that, you know, we wanted to talk about today, I guess, just to dive into it a little bit, is um, with marriage and the Christian view of it, what changes compared to how how the world might see marriage and and uh, the, beauty, the beauty of it, really. I think, you know, there's a lot of self-gift in there. There's a lot of sacrifice in it. Um, but all, all which really is very fruitful and joyful, um, which is very counterintuitive to, to the, uh, to the way that the world might talk about things. You know, I think mm-hmm. one of the things we've talked about before is like marriage as a vocation rather than as a status update. And like that, I think that's a very, very big shift in mindset overall. And, and to question like, what does that word vocation mean? And, and what does it mean to, to find your vocation, to live out your vocation is, is very different from, uh, very different from, uh, yeah, just like who do I feel impassioned towards for right. whatever period of time, right? I definitely think one thing I've noticed with some people that I've spoken with or friends that I've spoken with who kind of were already, for example, living together or just don't look at marriage as, you know, a sacrament um, and, you know, a, a covenant uh, is that it does tend to come off as like a bit of a status update. And mm-hmm. I certainly obviously don't mean this in any kind of um, way that puts those kinds of people down. I think it's just the environment that that the world has become, really. Right. And sure, you know, that's obviously um, a lot of these marriages are still joy, joyful occasions and um, you see love flowing between the couple. But I think having the added layer of how this is a union between the married couple, but also a union with Christ um, in a new way um, just really makes it so meaningful. I think understanding that this isn't just about, like we've been saying, the next step, right? I've, you know, I've had other people talk to me about their own um, wedding experiences. And, you know, sometimes I just get the vibe that like, it's almost like they just want to get it over with, you know? Um, And I think when you're so far down that road where, you don't really get to uh, be able to live in the moment and kind of just understand how serious um, this union is. I think that's where it kind of opens up, um, you know, things down the road where, you know, frankly, just people are open to things like divorce and, and breaking up and, yeah. you know, almost taking an easy way out. Um, if I'm, if I'm, if, if I'm allowed to say it, put it that way. And certainly that's yeah. not always the case, but I think, um, that's more often the case than, than we realize. Yeah, I think a lot of it actually, where it comes in is uh, when when marriage is about me. Um, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I think when you look at things as a status update and you look at marriage in that way, it's like my status update is like this is the person that I'm choosing to love for me because it's good for me. Like it's, it's very self-centered yeah. and very um, kind of inward looking um, as opposed to... Um, you know, looking looking at marriage as as a vocation and, and and a mission oriented one, where you're bringing the other to to uh, a fuller vision of um, of God, really. And I think 
you know, when you flip things that way, it, and I've, I've, I think I've mentioned this before, like it really puts a different perspective on things. And, and it raises a lot of really interesting questions, a lot of really interesting topics as well, particularly um, around having children and, and what type of family structure you have and those kinds of things. So these are things that obviously like I'm, you know, in, in the stage now of, of fatherhood and in this new role that I have that have really come up for me. So I wanted to share some of these with you as well. I don't think I've really talked to you about all of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be really kind of interesting to, to share with you some of the, some of the insights that I've received and, and chat a little bit about kind of what, what your reaction is as well and, and kind of see, see mm-hmm. how, how this plays out. So one of the things in particular, which is very, um, a very touchy subject, I'd say, in today's culture, um, is the role of men and women in marriage, and in particular, the role of men and women in parenthood. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of goodness in traditional roles of parents. And, you know, what's really a piece that I find a little sad is the departure we've had from that and the taboo of the traditional roles. So, you know, I think where this came from is a recognition of a true evil. So there was a lot of toxic masculinity in the last however many decades um, that has kind of come up in the world where men have said mm-hmm. like, this is my household. You'd better listen to me. You know, wives be subject to their husbands, you know, your place, stay mm-hmm. in your lane type of a thing. And that's wrong. And, and that's poor. And that's, and that's an incorrect application of being the man of the home, right. Or of being the patriarch. But what I found is, in a lot of ways, because of toxic patriarchy, as I'll call it, uh, we've gotten rid of patriarchy as a whole. And we said patriarchy as a whole is evil. And and I think, you know, this is where things get really interesting is that I don't think that's the case. I think there is goodness in a well-found patriarchy. And and a well-ordered patriarchy is not one of dominance. I I think that's a really clear piece here, right? So... Mm -hmm. So to set the stage here a little bit, I think the way that I've learned to think about um, marriage and the roles of men and women is less of who should be doing what because of capacity and rather who is best suited to do what because of ability So, uh, or because of nature. So as an example, mm-hmm. a very, very clear example is um, being the making of a home the making of a loving home. I think mothers and women are able to do this much better than men. You know, I look at, Mm. for example, Cherry with Felicity and the way that she's able to give her loving embrace to Felicity. It's something that I am literally incapable of doing to that degree. doesn't mean I can't love my daughter. doesn't mean that like single fathers can't create a loving home. It's not that it's not possible. The degree to which will be successful in doing this is different. And so when I look at things that way, then what can I do as a husband to support my wife in creating the home? Well, I can provide the house within which she can build that home, right? I can go and do take care of these other things so that you're not distracted by the need to put food on the table, the need to have a roof over our heads so that you can focus on building the beautiful home for our children. And I think like when we look at things that way, it's much less of, Hey, Cherry, as a woman, I don't think you can earn for our family. Like, no, that's absolutely not the case, but you are so much better suited for creating a loving home that I wouldn't be able to create. And so let me give you that space and I'll make these sacrifices for that. And I'll make the sacrifices of, 
time and energy and whatever for for um in my career to be able to do that and then this is where you then see the men and the the male side of things where when you look at things like men are more willing to take on tougher like different sacrifices or more able i should say to take on tougher sacrifices mm-hmm. in some way so like being a bricklayer as an example as a job to put food on the table it's something that men you were are able to say like yeah 100% if this is what i need to do i'll go do it i'm not going to complain about it i'm going to do it so that my wife can be a good mother and like mm-hmm. there's a lot of beauty in kind of this framing where it's less of detracting from i don't think you can and more of building up these are the areas where you are able to do better than me and so i'm going to support you in providing my be- my first fruits to the marriage right and what you're sharing there, if I were to even step back and generalize a little bit, it's not that different from, you know, if you've ever been the leader of a team or something and you need to delegate things to, you know, like delegate different roles, uh, you know, yeah. in the sports context, maybe you're a captain and you need to um, have people on the field at different times for various reasons, offense, defense, or if you're in a corporate environment, you, maybe you have someone who's good at Excel and maybe you have someone who's good at um, right. driving processes or something like that. Like, you don't want to, your your job as um, someone who um, kind of puts people into different roles is to understand people's strengths. Um, exactly. It's much more focused on that, those strengths and abilities. You don't want to, uh, as the phrase goes, put a square peg into a round hole. You can try. Um, there's, there is benefit to trying in the sense that like, that's how people can learn and grow and things like that. But at the same time, and I think to your point, actually, if I were to continue on there, um, that is not to say that, you know, um, you know, that square peg being fit into a round hole, maybe eventually that square peg kind of rounds itself out a little bit and starts fitting in a little bit more because it's learning and that's totally fine too. But that being said, at the end of the day, the strength is, um, you know, what is naturally, what that person is naturally good at. Right. And I think that's kind of where you're going as well. And I certainly, I can certainly notice that too with, with Jen and myself. Um, you know, if we were to put this into quotes, traditional kind of thing, like whenever she interacts with children, I, I think it's just, um, there is just that tone of uh, that, that overarching tone of, I don't know, gentleness or love or whatever it is that for me, yeah. I can't tap into as easily. I've tried to yeah. learn and I've improved, but I just can't tap into it as easily. Um, 100%. so, you know, I, I it, no one needs to be, um, necessarily, uh, pinned into whole into roles that they don't um want to be in but but we also have to recognize that at the end of the day the, the focus here is more about strengths like you've been saying exactly and, and and you know there's a lot of just like biologically built-in things for this too right like literally i cannot love felicity in the same way as cherry does because i didn't carry her in my womb like there there is a physical difference there in terms of what's happening and and, and it's beautiful so like one of the conversations that we had you know before before Felicity was born is, you know, Cherry asking me like, Hey, um, there's going to be things like breastfeeding that I'm going to be able to do. Will you feel left out in, in like kind of a, um, Oh man, I don't want you to feel bad kind of a way. And, mm-hmm. and my response was, yes, I will feel left out because I will be left out, but that's okay. <laughs> right. That, that's proper. Like I, I should be left out of this. And, and that's not something to be sad about for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's something for me to know and accept it. And if it is, something that hurts then like that's something for me to reflect on and for me to pray about like why is this something that i feel so prideful about what what is it about my own pride that's coming in the way of this natural and 
proper and ordered thing. And then because mom is home, like in a truly mom is home, mm-hmm. the dad represents Literally, the outside because world. That's where exactly that's home was, it was home for nine months. So exactly, and because of that, dad is the external, and so the natural order of things is where. When Felicity starts to explore the world, she might naturally come to me, not because Cherry can't ex- explain the external world, but because I represent the external, and and there's goodness in that. And then Cherry might be left out in that. And and like this isn't to say that this is how everything has to go. And, and like you know, everyone, every child's going to be different, every parent's going to be different, but there's, there's different dynamics there. So much as to say, there is wisdom in the way that we've been built. There's wisdom in the way that we've been designed, and following that and discerning that allows for a lot of grace to come into parenthood is what we've experienced so far um yeah and when you and when you brought this up uh 10 minutes ago i think it it, it was a good observation to make because yeah for decades for centuries probably millennia the role of the man has been very much like you know dominance and you listen to me and I'm the head of the household and my word is law kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, we've also lived different variations of that. Yeah. Um, and so I think now in the world that we live in, um, sure, I, I, to no one's surprise, but I, I would say that there's kind of been an attempt to, you know, have a bit of an overcorrection um, in, yeah. in the other direction, right? And I get it because if you kind of zoom out a lot and think about this from a, you know, timeline perspective of centuries versus now, like we're probably just in the middle of how this pendulum is swinging. And I'm sure at some point decades down the road, it might swing back or something like that. That's often how these yeah, things go. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think that doesn't, at the same time, you know, it's on people like us or our listeners and, you know, anyone who, who wants to reflect on this in a, in a, you know, in a deeper way, you know, yeah, we should move away from those moments of, you know, men where they're going just on a power trip. And, yeah. you know, that's the, the whole thing about their word is law. Like, we need to move away from that for sure. Definitely. But what you've been sharing is that, you know, we still have our natural inclinations and abilities as men and as women. And um, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think, um, yeah. again, in today's society, we've been so focused on you know, uh, giving platform to, to women and we should, absolutely we should, but that doesn't mean we should say that, like, when we say something like mother is home, we, we shouldn't like, you know, turn away from that, that idea as if it's repulsive in any kind Quite. of way. Yeah. And, and I think this is where I want to pivot to, um, I'd encourage everyone to listen to this talk. Actually, it's, um, father Mike Schmitz. He was on this thing called the good news cruise. I think it was in, I want to say 2022 that he did this talk. Um, Anyways, if you if you just search up Good News Cruise, Father Mike Schmitz, maybe we'll link it in the description. Um, it's a really great talk where he he um, goes into some of the temptations of men and women and, and kind of the the roles of men and women in, in a lot of ways and, and the responsibilities that we carry. And um, it's it's one that if we listen to it honestly, um we get to see and, and reflect on ourselves a lot and, and, and also understand a lot more of what happens around us. We look at our parents as an example and we see the tensions there and it helps to kind of unpack some of these. So the illustration was first was um, Adam and Eve in the garden, particularly when the serpent tempts Eve. Now, I think everyone's probably heard the rhetoric of like, 
oh my goodness, um, you know, Eve ruined it for all of us. Like, what's this woman doing? And, 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 you know, like, it's a little taboo to say it that way, but that's kind of, you know, some of the underpinnings that, that we hear sometimes and, and everyone rejects that. But it goes a little bit further to talk about, like, what actually are the temptations that the men and women fell into to get to this point? One of the real interesting pieces in, in kind of context to this is a serpent is just one of the ways to translate this original Hebrew word. Another way to translate it is dragon. And so if you put it in that way, now it's there is a dragon. You look beforehand and what is Adam's responsibility? Adam's responsibility is to protect everything in the Garden of Eden. Right? Like he is in that role to, to govern over and protect. And that's inclusive of Eve, to give her a safe place. And so the question comes, why is Adam nowhere to be found in the story when the serpent comes, when the dragon comes? Is, is kind of how Father Mike talks about it. Where was Adam? He wasn't taking responsibility. He wasn't taking the responsibility of protecting Eve, right? He instead shirked from the responsibility and was submissive. And then for the woman, for Eve, her, her um, calling is to be trusting in Adam, right? To trust in his ability to protect. And the temptation is to take control where, oh, he's not going to be able to just let me come in. And then that's where we see both of them falling into these temptations where Adam shirks responsibility. Eve takes control and talks to the serpent, talks to the dragon. And so... When you look at things this way, it's a little interesting to say like, hey, you know, how many marriages do we see this way? Where when someone asks the couple or the husband, hey, what do you want to do? And, and I fall into this all the time. What uh, what should we do here? It's like, I don't know. You ask my wife. And then mm-hmm. the wife is the one calling all the shots. And then years down the road, and this is, I'm just taking it straight from Father Mike. He talks about this. He says, years down the road, then you hear the man going, I can't, it blows up and says, I don't make any, am I even the man of this house? I don't make any decisions in this house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you've been kind of shirking that, like you've been kind of pushing that off. And then for the woman, she's like, I can't trust my husband. Like, well, if you take control all the time, how how is he supposed to earn that trust? And so it's really interesting because when you look at things this way, then you see a lot of, I think, family dynamics unpacked by this. And then the question for a woman to ask themselves is like, can I be more trusting in my husband? And for, for men's husbands, like, can I take more of the responsibility of giving that house, like I said earlier, for my wife to build a home? Can I take that responsibility? Can I take that on as opposed to shirking away? And now, this is different, though, than dominating. This isn't saying, now call all the shots and, and force it down everyone's throat. Taking responsibility does not need to be the loudest person in the room, right? And mm-hmm. that's where it's, it becomes interesting in terms of those expressions, right? Um, one of my greatest personal struggles is, um, are the moments when I shirk away from those responsibilities. So mm-hmm. what I, what I mean by that is I think my entire life, probably my biggest inclination towards sin has been, um, the, the, the sin of sloth and the sin of being lazy and, you know, chores and putting them off and procrastination. And even at work, um, you know, days where I don't have meetings to, to push me to kind of put make sure I'm, I'm working harder or whatever. And um, I have hours where I might slack off kind of thing. Hopefully yeah. none of my coworkers or my boss is not listening. But um, <laughs> I think I think 
I, I've definitely recognized that it's followed me my entire life is yeah. um, that lack of discipline that that, um, you know, at least in the moments where I'm struggling is that is that lack of discipline. And, yeah. you know, now that I guess just sharing some new routines from from married life for me is um, in the past, like if I needed a meal and I hadn't done meal prep for for multiple meals and I was too lazy to cook for myself or something, then I'll just have an instant noodle or something like that. Yeah. Um, something really easy. Now, um, with Jen being a nurse who works night shifts, she'll work two, three nights a week. Um, and on those nights, it's obviously harder for her to, you know, make herself a meal and things like that. Obviously, she can. But I think, it, you know, it, it, so far, at least, it's been... Hey, look on the nights that you're working, like we'll we'll do a bit more meal prep. I will, I'll 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 try to cook something for you, kind of thing. And I think just thinking ahead to moments where, you know, maybe I'll struggle with um, keeping up that discipline and what that could potentially do to make her life harder, right? And um, this is a very obviously specific example um, and a very personal example, I suppose. But yeah. I think just an example of where because I shirk away from responsibility, it could just have an impact on, um, on, on Jen, um, on our, our marriage, on our relationship, not maybe not from one night of missed cooking, but from a, a multitude of, of things that get missed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it's a really great kind of snapshot of what this looks like. And, and it's a piece where uh, the recognition as men and women as well is that we will fail. Like, realistically speaking, all of us have these and and it's not a like pity pity moment and pity project where it's like oh like you know go go and be more responsible otherwise you're an awful husband um do that like do your best to become more responsible but recognize that like your growth in this will be through grace and to bring that to the lord is is a really important piece as well um because what comes out of this as well is understanding okay first off what is good husband uh, being a good husband and being a good wife? What does that look like? Right, that that image, and that's kind of part of what I'm talking about here. And then, the, and then it goes into like, and then what happens when we fail, and and, and how do we react to that? Right. Um, this is where another podcast, Restore the Glory, they they go into this quite a bit, and it's really really well done. Um, it's by Jake Kim and, and Dr. Bob Schutz. They're two therapists, and. Um, they talk about particularly the wounds in men and the wounds in women and, and how we then respond. And, and generally speaking, the responses are overcompensation or undercompensation. So um, I'll give an example. So uh, as a man, like what, what might happen is, let's say um, there is some, something wrong with the sink, right? And I now need to go and fix it as an example. But I don't know how to do it. That as a man is like, I feel I cannot provide. And that feels like a failure as the, the husband of the home, right? It's just, it's just, it's a reality and, and it is a failure. It's, mm-hmm. There's no getting around it. Right? So the question is, what do you do about it? Do you then go and rush into it and just clang around and go like men are big, big action people. And if things break, yeah, man, mm-hmm. or do you go, Oh, who knows how to do this stuff anyways? I'm just going to pay some money to someone else to take care of it. Those are examples of overcompensation, undercompensation. And, and I think like, you know, we hear this and then we look at the men around us and, and we're all like, yes, I've seen this. I've seen overcompensation, undercompensation. And what you learn to see is like, and this is responding to the same thing. 
So for men, when does this happen? In short, and, and listen to the podcast because it goes into much better detail, but in short, it's, it's when we feel we can't provide. It's when we feel that we have are not fulfilling that role of the protector of the home. That's when we generally feel the most wounded. And where do we get the affirmation for that? It's from our wives, right? So if Cherry looks at me and goes like, gives me a look, is like, oh, I thought you'd be able to do this. That's going to hurt a lot more than yeah. you looking over to me and saying like, come on, bro. I'm like, well, whatever. I don't really care if you think I'm a man. Like, you're not my wife, right? But if my wife doesn't see that in me, then, like, that is hurtful. That's a wound. And then that's something that I would feel the need to compensate for. And then for women, it's when they can't expose their hearts. It's when it's when their hearts are taken advantage of, right? So that they would want to be able to entrust their hearts to us as their husbands. And then when people take advantage of that and and you see, you know, the, the different men who are overly dominant and whatever and what have you. And then, again, you see different versions of over and under compensation between the like, promiscuity of like, oh, like I use my sexuality to do- dominate men or or through many other different things. Right. Um, the women who just become recluses and they're like, I, I'm just not going to interact with the world and, and what have you. And And I think the reason why I go into all of these different pieces is that I think these are really important pieces to know in marriage and even more so in parenthood because in marriage this is where we get the little theater the domestic home to be able to work on and build these things and ask for the grace to grow because when our children grow up what they see as a good man and a good woman will naturally be us as their parents to start and if we're always overcompensating then they'll think this is normal for men and if their normal vision of man is an abusive father or is you know to bring it down a little bit but like just an angry dad right mm-hmm. then you know what does that do to them and similarly for a mother a mom who takes too much control they think this is normal for women to be and then you know like it's really important so so i think these are things that i've, I've been reflecting on a lot over the last little while i think those are important things to share just because again um i can certainly see anyone who is of a more secular view or secular upbringing and secular values where you're listening to this conversation and you feel like, you know, Andrew and I are just, again, going back to pigeonholing men into traditional roles or women into traditional roles. And I I, I would say, um, I think just discerning through our conversation and kind of really unpacking it and listening to it, um, there's, there's no reason that um this is this is more so like what we said at the beginning it's more so focusing on strengths it's more so focusing on natural inclinations um it's focusing obviously if you're not religious this doesn't mean anything to you but um it's focusing on god's design and god's will um it's 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 much less about taking things away from the other person and mm-hmm. on the flip side of things of, of our conversation when we reference those kind of more negative examples i think those are all things where you can easily say that those are taking things away from the other person. So I'll go back to kind of uh, the angry father or the, or the abusive father. You are in your search for um, for power and dominance. You are taking away, um, you know, the ability of your wife or the ability of your children to do things or make decisions and things like that. And those are mistakes that we are certainly not pointing into uh pointing towards and sure i think i think it's easy to say actually that um there is a fine balance between you know um doing something for the good of others um and 
instead of falling into sin. I think I think there's a fine balance between those two things. And um, but at the same time, I think holding on to kind of the conversation that we've been having and understanding what you've been made to do and what are your strengths is important uh, to building up that healthy environment and healthy home and healthy household to live in. Yeah. And I think as well, like it, it, this really is a focus on um, how, like to some degree, like why, why do we fall into the, the issues that we fall into? Right. I think um, regardless of whether you see this coming in with a secular view, like I think we see when both moms and dads, contribute to a broken home and this is the piece where like working backwards like this is this is the framework to understand it and i think we're so blessed that in the catholic tradition it's already been laid out we've been given the answer key of what is it that men are designed for what is it that women are designed for Mm -hmm. and what where is the goodness in that and i think that's the that's the mentality shift is it's not about again it's not about are you able to do the other thing? So much as like, where will you thrive? And and where is the goodness in that happening? There is a goodness in a mother loving her child in that way. There is a goodness in the father protecting the family in that way, in, in that um, cohesion of it all, right? And I think when we start looking at marriage and parenthood and home life as a search for goodness, that's when you're really free to do these things and and to receive the fruit from them and i think that's kind of the piece that is looking at looking at it that way is really beautiful and fruitful and and we've found that it's really unlocked a lot of different pieces for our marriage where as a result i think as a general statement for any other married couples listening you can take this um as a piece how, how do you know you're living your vocation well is always a question. And I think the one of the answers is when other people are fed by you living the normalcy of your vocation. Mm-hmm. And so for us, Cherry and myself, not infrequently, we get comments on the way our marriage has fed someone else. But the instances that these people talk about, the episodes that they talk about for us, are the normal thing that's that wasn't the romantic action that was just Mm -hmm. tuesday but that living that being lived out somehow fed this person in ways that are more profound than what even we received in that moment and i think this is only like this can only happen because we're not trying to construct it this can only happen because all we're doing is pursuing goodness for us in our and following the design the good design of a home in our own home and so I think the, the piece to reflect on for, for families out there, for married people, and, and honestly, even priests um, and, and other religious is, hey, um, are you pursuing go- the goodness in your vocation? And are people being fed by things that like are ordinary for you? And, and I think if mm-hmm. those things are coming together, then like this shows that you're discerning your vocation and living your vocation and mission well. And maybe the way I'll wrap this up kind of, putting a tactical way of, um, or tactical flavor, I suppose, to what you just shared is um, something that you actually said at the beginning, uh, which is to say, you know, in a, in a good marriage, um, everything good comes from when you're not doing something for yourself, um, when you're doing something for the other. 
And what I can share is whether it's within the two weeks that Jen and I have been married or the, the dating relationships that we had prior to that, the times where our relationship hit a roadblock were certainly in the moments where I initiated it, it was from a moment where I was thinking about myself, where I was concerned mm-hmm. about what I wanted or what I needed. And mm-hmm. um, fortunately for the both of us, we, we actually haven't had too many of those. And frankly speaking, I don't think we've had any really big major ones. Um, but that being said, even though the smaller ones, I look back and like I said, the ones that I initiated, it was because, um, yeah, it was because I wasn't thinking about her. I was only thinking mm-hmm. about myself. And for the rest of our relationship, we've gotten here because uh, we're lucky to say that we think about the other person. Um, we, 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 and that's how we try to show our love. And I think that's how, mm-hmm. again, in a healthy, good marriage, um, that exchange of love is certainly something you give of yourself instead of mm-hmm. just focusing on receiving. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll link those so, uh, we'll link those podcasts and those talks. Yeah, I think they're worth listening to. I, we just I just scratched the surface, but well, thank you for sharing those things. Uh, I think now you're off for bath time for Felicity. So yes. is that is that a uh, is that a, a husband's job or a wife's job for you? <laughs> for us, it's a husband's job, yeah. um, partially because I think especially as she grows heavier and heavier, it'll be a little easier for me to hold her for that <laughs> length of time. That's true. Um, and also, I love doing it because she looks really cute when I wrap her in a bath towel. <laughs> so that's the that's the selfish part. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Well, we'll let you go and do that and be a good father. Um, and for all of those listening, um, thank you for waiting. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this conversation. Um, we enjoyed having it. And um, yeah, you'll hear from us next time. God bless everyone. <laughs>